We read God's word this morning from the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we'll begin reading at verse 13, and we'll read through verse 48. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, unto Jesus, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns, And will build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that which thing is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what, and seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about you and your lights burning. 
And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open up, open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that wise and faithful steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men's servants and the maidens, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him. And at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. It's on the basis of this text and others like it that we have the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 42. Lord's Day 42, questions and answers 110 and 111. Question 110, what doth God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? God forbids not only those thefts and robberies which are punishable by the magistrate, but he comprehends under the name of theft all wicked tricks and devices whereby we design to appropriate to ourselves the goods which belong to our neighbor, whether it be by force or under the appearance of right, as by unjust weights, L's, measures, fraudulent merchandise, false coins, usury, or by any other way forbidden by God, as also all covetousness, all abuse, and waste of his gifts. But what doth God require in this commandment? that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may, 
deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others. Further also that I faithfully labor so that I may be able to relieve the needy. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what religion that one practices, every devout religious person knows that when they serve their God, it's going to require of them the sacrifice of time and possessions. So that, for example, when the pagan goes to his place of worship, it means that he's going to give some of his time and some of his possessions to the service of his false God. And now Jehovah God makes that requirement of us as well, so that, for example, in the fourth commandment, we are required to set aside the Sabbath in the worship of Jehovah God and to come and to give of our offerings and to give of our praise But now as we stand before the Eighth Commandment this morning, God demands more of us than what the idol gods require of their worshipers. God says to us in the Eighth Commandment, not just some of your time, but all your time. Not just some of your possessions, but all your possessions. All that we are, we owe to him. And all our possessions, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with no exception whatsoever, is to be used in the service of the name of our God. Why does God make this all-encompassing claim of our time and our possessions? Why isn't it permissible for us to say that God should be happy with what we think we should, we're able to give him? And the answer is because he is sovereign God. The answer is because he is Lord over all things so that he lays claim to all our time and all our possessions. And as our master, he has the authority to tell his slaves what to do at every point in time and with every gift that he has given. So God, as our owner and master, demands that we use all our time and that we use all our possessions in the service of his name. And now remembering that these Ten Commandments are in the third section of the Heidelberg Catechism, that means that we're treating these commandments from the point of view of our thankfulness to God for free and full salvation in Jesus Christ, then we receive the Eighth Commandment. And God gives unto us so many opportunities in life to keep this commandment and in that way to thank him for what Jesus Christ has done for us. And knowing this joy of salvation in Jesus Christ, it becomes our delight, it becomes our pleasure to use all our possessions, all our time, pressing it into the service of God and for the welfare of the neighbor. Let's consider the Eighth Commandment from Lord's Day 42 and from Luke chapter 12. The theme of the sermon is the right view of possessions. Let's note first that we are to 
lawfully receive them. Secondly, that we're called to faithfully use them. And finally, joyfully living with them. The right view of possessions. Now, it's impossible to go through life without possessions. Our possessions are all those things that we refer to as our necessities, whether it be food and clothing and shelter, but then also our possessions include all of those things that help us do our labor, whether it be the tools in the cabinet, whether it be the computer in the office, whether it be the books in the classroom, all kinds of possessions that we need in life, all kinds of possessions that you and I need in the performance of our daily labor. The question is, how do we obtain those possessions? And the answer is that we are to obtain them in a lawful way. So that the Catechism and Answer 111 says, Further also that I faithfully labor. That's the way. That's the way to obtain possessions, the way of labor. And that's in harmony with Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth. The Eighth Commandment then addresses an unlawful way to obtain possessions. And that unlawful way is by stealing. Thou shalt not steal. So what's the contrast of stealing? Is it that we don't obtain any possessions at all? No, that's not God's will, that we have no possession, but it's gaining those possessions in a lawful way. And there are a number of principles that govern us as we go about all of our labor, as we wake up every morning and we say, today I am in need of food, I am in need of clothing, I am in need of shelter and all of the rest. So what governs us in our obtaining of possessions? There are a few things we can say in this regard. In the first place, we must know this, that all things are owned by God. And if we do not understand that, if we do not get that in our minds, then we will forever be robbers and thieves. All things belong to God. What I have and what I seek to obtain, it all belongs to God. That's what the word of God declares in Psalm 50, verses 10 and 11. Every beast of the forest is mine, God says, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Now you and I in our daily conversation might say, this belongs to me and this over here, that's mine as well. And we understand what we mean when we use that language, but when it comes down to it, all things, without exception, belong to God. 
And that was the problem with the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, what we read earlier. That rich fool ignored the fact that those possessions that he acquired came from God. And that rich fool says, I, I, I have so much. I have accumulated so much. Where am I going to lay up all that I have obtained? And not only the rich fool of Luke 12, but even the disciples, to a certain extent, they were prone to forget that their possessions come from God, so that Jesus says to them, consider the lilies, consider the fowls of the air. God clothes the lilies. God provides for the birds. And so also must you not be anxious regarding your daily bread, your needs. God knows your needs, and he will provide. God is powerful and able to provide because all things belong to him. And so that's the first principle we must understand. All things belong to God. In the second place, as we go about our day-to-day duties, we must know that God gives different things to different people. He gives to one a certain amount, and he gives to another a different amount. And Jesus illustrates that in verse 42 of Luke 12 when he speaks of our Lord returning and making that wise and faithful steward uh, ruler over all of his household. And then verse 42, giving them their portion of meat in due season. But now with underscoring that phrase, their portion. God gives the portion to each of us, a different portion, but a portion that God has determined and a portion that perfectly suits all my needs. So that God says, for example, that perhaps this family over here, this husband, this wife, with six or seven children, that they need fewer things this family over here with one or two children or children that are all grown up and out of the house and which family has little or or no debt at all. And the question is put to us, will I receive without murmuring, without complaining, the portion that God has determined for me? And then the third and final principle that governs our obtaining of possessions is that when I come to the conclusion that what I have isn't enough, the bills are not getting paid, the expenses exceed the income, then God only gives me certain options as how to obtain more. And God says with regard to those other options, no, you may not use that way. So what are the lawful ways for us to obtain possessions? And in the first place, and what the Catechism uh, says, it's the means of work and hard labor. God created man to work And God uses that labor 
to give us what we need. What's forbidden is laziness. What's forbidden is a refusal to work. What's forbidden is an attitude that though I will work and though I want that paycheck, yet I'm going to work as little as possible while trying to gain as much as I can. And if a child of God concludes that he isn't making enough and if he isn't being covetous in saying that, but he makes that assessment in a godly and a spiritual way, then the question he must ask himself first is, am I working hard enough? Am I working long enough? Am I being a faithful and diligent worker? But you see, hard work and hard labor is the means that God uses for us to obtain possessions. In the second place, the Lord gives us possessions and provides for us by means of gifts. Because not everything that we have is something that we've worked for. So that if it be that I'm working hard, as hard as I possibly can, still being a father in the home, to the children, still being a good mother in the home, and yet I need more then I look for gifts. And I look for those gifts not only from family members, but also from the church. God provides through the office of mercy in the church, the deacons. And with the gifts that the deacons bring, always with the comforting words of scripture, then God is giving us what we need. Food for the table, clothes for the body, money for the bills. And we ought to appreciate that. We ought to appreciate that God provides for us by means of gifts. Because it's the pride of man's heart that says, I don't want to be dependent on anyone to help me. Because that would be lowering myself. And boy, that's, that's embarrassing. That's so shameful on my part. And I don't want to have to go through that. Admitting that I have to depend upon others and I don't like that feeling much. And then we can sometimes wrongly think that to have to go to the deacons is really a lowering of myself. I would have to be so destitute on the brink of starvation before I would ever lower myself and ask for the mercies of Jesus Christ from the church. But beloved, this is the means that God has provided when work does not bring in sufficient income for the family. And here we ought to state the warning too, we ought not steal from the church by going for help when we really don't need that help. We ought not go to the church because we're being lazy in the first place with regard to work. But nevertheless, we mustn't ignore or overlook the church of Jesus Christ. To supply our needs, God provides by means of gifts. And so God gives unto us these lawful ways to obtain possessions by means of work, by means of gifts. 
And therefore, God forbids stealing. And that's the Eighth Commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Stealing. Taking that which does not belong to me. It belongs to another. God has given it to another. That's not my poor stealing. That's such a temptation for that old man of sin within you and me, whether it be the child in the grocery store or at school, no one else is looking, so I will take that thing, whether I'm an adult and selling a house, a vehicle, not disclosing all of the problems with it so that I can fetch a higher price, whether there were many side jobs I did over the course of the year, I was paid in cash, and yet when tax season comes around, it's very easy to conveniently forget and not report all of that money that I made. But stealing in all its different forms is such a temptation for you and for me. God includes it here in the Ten Commandments for his covenant people. Thou shalt not steal. But what a temptation in the first place because by stealing, I can get things without working or at least get things without working as hard because work, hard work, requires hours each day, demands that I give of myself so that sometimes I come home beat and exhausted physically and mentally when work is over. But by stealing, one might say, I, I get just as much and I don't come home as tired as if I'd break my back working for it. And the second place, stealing is such a temptation because when I steal, I can obtain immediately that which I want. And that's the spirit of the day in which we live. It's the spirit of instant gratification. What I want, I want it right now. And when I work, I have to wait. i got to wait for that paycheck. Sometimes a week or twice a week or, or, or once a month. But by stealing, I can have what I want right now. There are all kinds of excuses people use to justify their stealing by taking that which does not belong to them Do any of these excuses sound familiar to you? The other person doesn't need it. They have more than what they need anyways. They're not going to miss it. If if I don't take it, then somebody else is going to take it, and it might as well be me. There's the excuse... But what I took, it was hardly worth anything. Hardly worth anything. It's going to benefit me a whole lot more than it's going to benefit the person to whom it rightfully belongs. They don't deserve it. But I do. There are so many other excuses besides. What's the excuse that you've used? 
What's the excuse that I've used? The Catechism indicates some of the other forms that stealing takes, all of which are forbidden. And the Catechism goes on and lists these things. And in the first place, the obvious way of stealing that even society recognizes is wrong and that society will even punish this kind of an evildoer is that outright thefts and robberies which are punishable by the magistrate that's the outward act of robbery that's shoplifting that's stealing a car that's doing something under the cover of darkness and stealing from the neighbor we understand that we know that the world understands and knows that thefts and robberies are forbidden by God but in the second place the catechism gets at the more refined ways that one might steal when the catechism lists unjust weights L's measures, fraudulent merchandise, false coins, usury, or by any other way forbidden by God. And you recognize that many of these things, many of these are examples used in the realm of business world and often used by those who are selling things, but then also on the part of those who buy as well, whether it be merchandise that is fraudulent it's not what it claims to be. Counterfeit money, excessive interest. These are the ways in which men steal undercover secretly in ways that they think they will never be caught. And this list that the Heidelberg Catechism gives requires us to examine ourselves. In what ways have we been tempted to steal or in what ways have we stolen so that we have a product and we say that my product is, is worth such and such a dollar price and when we know very well in our minds that my product is not worth that amount or whether it be on the part of us as employees employees have we taken Anything that belongs to the employer without his knowledge? Or for those of you who employ, have you withheld adequate compensation for your employees? Children, have you taken something from your brother or sister without telling them? Have you taken something from your classmates or teachers at school? And we can even extend the application to our giving to the general fund, or by our not giving, have we robbed God by not bringing of our tithes and of the first fruits of our labor? God forbids all such actions because we must trust in Him to provide. Stealing says, puts God on the sideline and says, I will get what I want by myself. And God gives us the 10th commandment, thou shalt not steal, so that we look to him to provide. And having obtained all these possessions lawfully, we are called to use them faithfully, using them in love to God and using them in service for the neighbor. 
Because you see, God has given unto us all that we have, whether it be the necessities of food and clothing and shelter, whether it be the, the, the luxuries of life, the big things of life, our homes, our vehicles, or very smallest things that we have in our homes, the faithful steward always has in mind what I have doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And I'm so very thankful that God has given it to me and I will be so very careful to use it in a good, honest, and upright way, in a way that demonstrates my thankfulness for all that he's done for me. And we are also called to faithfully use our possessions in love for the neighbor. And the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us of what's often called the golden rule in answer 111, that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may and deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others. And that's the word of God elsewhere in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But that old man of sin within us, that's, that becomes something that's so hard to do because by nature I want my neighbor to use his possessions to my advantage. And then I will go ahead and use my possessions to my advantage as well. And once my needs are met, then I'll begin thinking about doing something for the neighbor. But that's the wrong order. The Eighth Commandment requires that we seek the welfare of the neighbor. Instead of worrying about whether my neighbor is using his things to my advantage, let us say, but am I using my things to his advantage? So that at the end of the day, and I have all but depleted my resources, but my concern is yet for the neighbor, for his well-being, thinking of doing things for his advantage. And mind you, helping the neighbor out without the expectation of receiving anything back. That's love. That's following this commandment. Now, there are people who are very good at doing the exact opposite, and it can become a temptation for you and for me. And that looks like this when you and I say, well, I will help this person out. Because I suspect that in the future, they might be able to repay the favor to me in perhaps even a greater measure than I first gave it to them. And so, yeah, I'll help them out. I'll help them out. But beloved, is that, is that loving the neighbor? Is that doing things for his advantage when I'm really thinking about myself? That's not loving the neighbor. That's a very subtle and deceptive, manipulative form of stealing. But rather we are to love, to give freely, and to do so without any expectation of return. Using our possessions then in love reminds us of some other ways the Eighth Commandment 
can be violated. It's not loving the neighbor and it's not loving God with our possessions to gamble or to waste our time and possessions. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, which means thou shalt not gamble. Thou shalt not try to obtain those possessions in a way that God has not ordained for you to receive them. And nowadays, gambling is encouraged so long as, as you have some disposable income, as long as you only engage in what's, re, in what's called recreational gambling, well, then it's fine. But is that love for God with what I have? When God is clear to us in his word that it pleases him to give us things by means of work and hard labor, and even as the Israelites tempted God in the wilderness, so also gambling and playing the lottery and all such things as a way of tempting God to give me things in a way that he's not determined to give me. And further, it's not showing love to the neighbor when we refuse to pay the debt that we owe whether it be that private loan from the family member, whether it be the loan from the bank, whether it be uh, some other type of a loan, it's not love for the neighbor in the church of Jesus Christ either when we do not set as top priority our giving to the general fund budget, or even for that matter, setting as priority our tuition for the Christian school. Now in all of this, the principle of love for God and love for the neighbor guides us in how we are to use our possessions. Luke chapter 12 instructs us further in how we are to use our possessions. Luke chapter 12 instructs us that we are to use our possessions in hope. So that from Luke chapter 12 verses 36 and following, Jesus compares those who watch for his return to men who wait for their Lord to return from the wedding, and he pronounces them blessed who are watching. And then Peter asks Jesus, verse 41, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or, or even to all? And Jesus as much says yes, especially you, Peter, and especially you, my disciples. I'm talking about when the Lord returns and judges his stewards who've been wise and faithful. You, the church of Jesus Christ, must be doing that. And Jesus is admonishing us. He's admonishing the New Testament church to use our possessions in hope of his return. Verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And then we say, so doing what? Well, so using all the gifts that God has given for the furtherance of God's kingdom and for the cause of the gospel in the midst of the world. When Jesus says in verse 43, Blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh shall find so doing. The so doing is all of the working and laboring, the watching and the waiting 
for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ so that as we work and labor, we are at the same time watching and waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the basis for all our hopeful labor is with an eye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we belong to him. As the church, we are betrothed to him. In his love, he lay his life down for us on the cross of Calvary to redeem us from our sins, to make us his property. And so we, we look for him. And we are obedient to his word to be faithful with all that he's given unto us so that we don't squander away our time. We don't squander away all of the resources that he has given unto us, but we press them all into the service of his name in love and devotion to him with an eye on him, our Savior, who so loved us and who squandered nothing away but gave everything, even his very life, so that we might become spiritually rich in him. And that means, beloved, that so long as we wait for our Savior's return, so long as we have possessions, that we will be sure that we use them joyfully. That we use the possessions God has given to us joyfully. And that joyfulness will show itself by our being content with all that God is pleased to give us. So that the eighth commandment here requires of you and of me contentment. He who is content does not set his heart upon earthly things as if true joy and happiness can be found in earthly things. We need to know that. We need to understand that. True joy and happiness is not found in earthly things. What does that mean for you children? That means for you children that there is no toy that mom or dad can buy you that will give you true joy and happiness. It's not going to happen. And for us who are older and adults, there is no possession. There is no vehicle. There is no truck. There is no house. There is nothing earthly, material, or temporal that can give us that true, abiding, and lasting joy. There is no such thing. And therefore, we don't set our hearts upon those things. Contentment requires us to understand that. And Jesus warns us against that. Verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. A life of covetousness where we are always looking at the neighbor. Always looking with an eye of jealousy. Always muttering out under our breath about what the neighbor has and about what I don't have. A life of covetousness is hurtful for the neighbor and hurtful for my own soul besides, but a life of contentment. A life of contentment, that's a life of joy, a life of happiness. Happy not only because the content man or woman says, one day I will have more, 
That's true. One day in heaven, God will give us all things and we may look forward to receiving the abundance of all of the blessings of salvation. But even now in this life, contentment says God is wise in what he gives. And so that today, what God has given me, my portion, that is enough. And I'll be happy and joyful but beloved, there comes the day when we will own all things in the new heavens and the new earth. And we do look forward to that day with great longing. And that will be the day when the thief will not break in and steal. Now the thief can break in and steal and take our possessions so we don't set our hearts upon those possessions. But we long for that day when the moth will not eat away what we have, when the rust will not corrupt and our possessions will never wear out and we will live as God's stewards into all eternity. People of God, live for that day. But do know this, that not, not all will enter in. Not all will enter into that heavenly Canaan excluded according to the word of God will be thieves and robbers, thieves, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But we, by the grace of God, have the hope of that day in which we will be rich and we will be full and we will be satisfied. And so, beloved, let us not steal, but let us be content with God's good grace to us and as the Heidelberg Catechism says, let us steal no more, but rather labor with your hands the thing which is good that you may give to him that needeth. May God so grant. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Apply it to our hearts. Give us contentment in all of life with what thou hast seen fit to give us, with what thou hast seen fit to withhold from us. Give unto us that knowledge that all things belong unto thee and that even ourselves, our bodies, our souls belong not to ourselves but unto thee and to our faithful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Strengthen us then every day we may press all that we have into the service of thy name and for the welfare of the neighbor, and that we would not steal, but that we would love thee and the neighbor as well. Forgive us when we do break thy commandments. Restore us unto thee. Forgive graciously our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.